dearest friends, the only things really worth saying are the obvious. So let me begin by telling you of a good surprise I received this morning as a voice message from a young friend who lives in a large Asian city. Like all gifts, it is given to be shared. He was walking to work, rushed along on the anonymous tide of fellow workers. At his feet on the pavement, he registered the precarious presence of a wounded butterfly. He continued walking, carried along by the crowd, but after two more blocks, he was still thinking of the butterfly. Now it was more than a fleeting image. It had become a real presence that brought him to a new level of self-awareness. In his real mind, as he called it, he had seen the butterfly and felt a wave of tenderness and compassion greater than the inexorable force that keeps the world turning, crushing anything but resists it. It was a wave of an inner ocean of compassion. The Gospels show Jesus actively expressing such compassion for those suffering sickness or rejection whom he met on his many journeys. Compassion can flow irresistibly as it did with him, or it can be blocked. If blocked, it becomes mere pity or short-lived empathy. But once set free, compassion will become action. So powerful was his awakening, his awakening insight, that he turned back. The butterfly was still there, unconsciously making a zone of reality in the surrounding stream of motion and distraction. He knelt down and picked it up. He laid it somewhere safe from the marching feet, whether to heal or to die, he did not know. What I find harder to describe was the energy of joy and liberation in his voice. It was not that the ego was whispering, feel good about yourself for doing this. With no effort or self-consciousness, he broke through old bonds of ignorance that keep us passive, inactive, and content to accept just what seems inevitable, self-imprisoned. In that instant, he himself became pure and free, and he did the simple thing. He had reached through the illusion that nothing could be done, and he touched another. Certainly the illusion of our helplessness is made worse and reinforced by the omnipresent, unreal world of the entertainment industry, intent on holding us in 24-hour distraction from reality. What my young friend understood about himself is true, too, of this global force of addictive illusion that consumes more and more of our time. It is virtually destroying our capacity to see what he perceived in that moment, the difference between illusion 
and reality. He had also been exposed to the truth that we feel compassion for the suffering of all others, if it is authentic, and only God's compassion is authentic, it must be felt equally for all creatures, and so for friend and enemy alike. Compassion takes us out of and above ourselves. In this way, he experienced how true compassion breaks through the strongest security systems that we have designed to keep reality at a safe distance from us and ourselves from it. As we see, absurdly and tragically, in the pantomime of American politics, reality can itself become the enemy. It can be overwhelmed by a bombardment of lies, though it will never be defeated. In such a world, truth must be shot down and truth-tellers cancelled. But in an instant of true insight, all this brutal world of illusion can collapse, and we find the wounded butterfly in our hand. There are, however, deceptive, incomplete kinds of compassion. It is natural to feel active compassion for people of our own party or tribe. American politics and many others are crippled by this self-narrowing which makes us unable even to listen to the other side, even to give them the right to exist. The same truth is evident in the revenge tragedy of our day, which is the hourly moral abominations of the Israel-Palestinian conflict. And yes, on both sides of the conflict, though hardly equally, we see how compassion can be purposefully blocked against the suffering of the other side. When it is locked in order to protect our divided view of reality, we can only justify it by increasing the suffering of our enemy and our intention totally to destroy them. But true humanity, true human compassion, reveals the divinity in all of us, including the enemy. Kind to the ungrateful and the wicked, shining on good and bad alike. That is how Jesus reveals the nature of God. Shocking. Disturbing. And you must be like your heavenly Father, he continues. Even more demanding. Compassion for our enemies? This must surely be unrealistic. It's as idealistically unworldly as turning around against the tide of common sense because of the transcendent tender beauty of a wounded butterfly on the pavement. The more power and influence we possess or desire, the more brainwashed we are by forces of deception, the more any alternative 
will seem unrealistic. If we think it is unrealistic, will we say it is untrue? Is the unrealistic untrue? If it seems so unreal, it may be because it's we who have become unreal. We who have become disconnected from our true self. And so for our capacity for universal compassion. My friend's moment of insight showed him that, that when we don't think too much, we can be wise. As he walked to work that morning, he was not drinking from one of those forgotten wells of wisdom I've been speaking about a lot recently, and to which humanity needs to reconnect itself, like sacred scripture, or a non-digital connection with the most obvious of all, the beauty of the natural world. Maybe his drinking from these sources of wisdom and his years of meditation, on and off, as he says, helped to prepare him for this pure moment. Suddenly he found the most obvious of all wells of wisdom, the one within himself. Looking out over the ocean under a clear sky, imagine. Looking out over the ocean under a cloudless sky. Turn to the left and then to the right. See the great hemisphere that encloses us from our imaginary position in the center. Behind us is another unseen equal hemisphere, an enclosing horizon, where, so cleanly, the light blue of the sky touches the darker blue of the sea, holding all its waves and battalions of white horses. This too is obvious. So, we conclude the world must be round, unless you believe it is flat. But believing something false does not make it true. Among the beliefs and actions of life, some are right and some wrong. Often they are a mixture of good and bad. But truth exists, and truth is also the test of what is good and just. We may deny this, Many do not believe in truth or goodness as absolutes. This is because our dominant worldview is shaped by materialism, which claims to be the judge of truth. Science is God. In the ensuing split between reality and illusion, it seems that we can measure and control everything whole populations under surveillance, what consumers buy or what enemy we want to destroy. This is the result of self-division. This is the result of blocking the universal vision of compassion. And this self-division has made us dangerously foolish and foolishly dangerous. 
like arrogant, drunk drivers, convinced that they can drive home when they can't. Like those also that the ancient psalmist described, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God above. But even this foolishness craves idols to worship, idols like success or power or celebrity. There is false and authentic spirituality. The discovery that meditation causes cortical thickening of the brain or improves connections between brain cells can seem to some people like it's it's validation. Science proves it. Meditation is good. The summit proves that consciousness is merely a function of the brain. And so, the best and really only rationale for turning to meditation is that it is a useful tool to make me happier, healthier, or wealthier. If these materialistic ideas were theological ideas, they would be obviously totally inadequate. They reject the primal wisdom of humanity that emerges from the experience of our wholeness, and that is that consciousness is the ground of existence. The meditation leads to transforming consciousness when we stop thinking that we are the center of the world. Meditation is marketed in our transactional world today as a way to increase health or improve well-being. But in a wiser world, say in the 14th century, the cloud of unknowing had a different perspective. It urged us to look after our health in order that we can meditate. Be healthy so that you can meditate. As I can testify in recent months, it is much harder to meditate when your body is not well. And to get me back to meditating properly, I'm very thankful for medical science, skilled professional care, as well as the love of family and friends, yoga exercises, warm sunshine, and my sometimes wavering trust in the divine plan. We are earthen vessels, changeable, emotional, often doubting. But God made his light shine in our hearts, and we have this treasure in jars of clay to show us that the real power comes from God and not from us. So, Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter. Let's go back and look at the ocean again. See how we are contained in a great circle. This is one perspective. But perspective changes whenever things happen to us, for good or ill. We may deny the ill and cling to what we think is pleasant. But life is as changeable as the sea. It always has another surprise for us. So imagine 
ascending, rising straight upwards from the open ocean. And eventually, like an astronaut, you see the planet from above as a beautiful blue, green, and white globe. Go even higher, beyond. And in another perspective, we would see it as orbiting a sun in one of countless galaxies. New space telescope images peer deeper than ever into the universe's space-time and stretch our perspective to new limits. We can only wonder. The truth scientist, who practices science contemplatively, is thrilled by this and humbled with every advance because the more we see, the more we know, and the less we understand. Perspectives can conflict, and ideas often mingle good and bad meaning, so that we have to struggle in conscience to find what is real. The right is really right as we first think it is. But discernment is the way to truth and to a spiritual process. True spirituality means being on a journey. It means being willing to have our perspectives continuously altered, even though this involves letting go of previously comfortable ways of understanding the world. Surrendering an old for a fresh perspective embraces the way of unknowing as a direct way to wisdom. It is also to leave self behind, the self that we knew, the self we assumed was ourself, and then lay down our life for our dearest friend, which is the truth. Great teachers of wisdom do not give answers or explanations. They are, like Jesus, masters of perspective. And knowing that experience in perspective is unteachable, they wish only for us to see for ourselves, to know for ourselves. As John Main said, to know it in your own experience. Great teachers can transmit everything except our own experience. This has to arise from the profound, invisible depths of our uniqueness, which is where we find our God Godlikeness. All the parables of the great masters, all their teachings, are meant to lead us on the way of transformation of consciousness, a kind of transformation necessary for this moment of insight to open, to ripen. Their words have often been misinterpreted, their parables misunderstood and neutralized by their detractors and by their followers. In the case of Jesus, the word made flesh, however, there is something more and so obvious that we must always come back to it. 
and say it again. It is the entirety of a whole human person, a life, death, taking us beyond the horizon of death, all embraced in the mystery of God. One of the most famous of Buddhist mantras from the Heart Sutra begins, Gate Gate Paragati. It is translated, gone, gone, all the way over, gone to the other shore of enlightenment. In its many voices, wisdom calls us to go, go, not halfway, but the whole way. It is absolute. Hearing it and feeling an inner response to this call triggers our journey. It turns us around. It changes perspective. Whether after two blocks of walking on a busy street or after many years of delaying and evasion, it can reconnect the real and the illusory in ourselves. Of course, this is a journey of many steps. As on the journey of meditation itself, we're not concerned with passing states of mind, we call good meditations, but more with the major stages that we pass through. Not states, but stages. We often have an early intuition when a new stage of, in life begins, but only time reveals whether that is true or not. At each stage, there will be an accompanying sense of wonder, which is a suspension of our capacity to compare it with anything else. It is unique. It is what it is. Under the influence of this wonder, perspectives shift. They bring on an opportunity for change and for fresh growth, a new vision. It is this moment we must pray and work for today, not just for ourselves, but for all humanity. And compassion is essential to this global shift of perspective. St. Paul calls this a way of healing that begins in faith and ends in faith, open-ended. Faith is the commitment to continuously going, setting out, and going ever further, ever beyond. If you want to feel what this means, just say the mantra, faithfully, at deeper and deeper levels, all the way over to the other shore. The WCCM, including Bombo, our spiritual center, is at such a stage at this moment. And so we're using this year to embrace a process of change and discernment and discover new perspectives. When we sensed it beginning last year, 
it was just before my own health problems appeared. When they came, I had my moments of fear and a sense of powerlessness. In time, you can see these moments are good signs that the spirit is taking over. But at the time, we don't see that. John Lane said to me before he died that everything necessary would be given when it was needed. The last few months have again confirmed that. I have felt the skilled, unkind, unwavering support and commitment of our leadership, the guiding board, the trustees, our advisory group, our directors, the national communities, the international office team, and meditators everywhere, and especially closely the Bonvo core community that I belong to. As we shared our sense of new perspective with meditators and national communities, they also could see that we, with them, are entering a new stage. The feeling of unity, solidarity is strong. Wherever I feared to find fear or feared to find negativity, I found a wonderful, peaceful power of charity and hope. Over the last few years, there's been rapid and intense growth at Bombo, and that growth was born especially by the selfless energy of the core community. So we will pause, slow down a bit, until the summer of this year to reflect on the life of the resident community that many call the soul of Bondo. It will help us to share the grace of Bondo with all we welcome as Christ himself, as St. Benedict says. Accordingly, we are reducing events, although some, including the Holy Week retreat and the Young Adults retreat, will continue. We trust the program will be able to resume at the end of August, along with the construction of the contemplative cloister, which gives us additional accommodation, will begin in early 2025. And this spirit of trust will be shaped by the new stage of discernment and review that we are entering. Bonvo is simply part of WCCM. And like all organizations today, we are facing many challenges, calling for new perspectives. In March, we will be reflecting uh, deeply with the help of some skilled uh, professional help by uh, by a meditator in the community uh, overseas who will be working closely uh, with us to do an audit of the whole organization of WCCM uh, with the help that, we, that will come from conversation and interaction between all of the people involved in serving the community in their different tasks. 
another meditator, a professional fundraiser, has also similarly offered her skills to help us on our way to financial sustainability. And so we feel very grateful to see, as Father John assured us, that what we need will be given when we need it. A change of perspective is always challenging. It involves a kind of dying before life expands again. In community, we can go through this reassured that at the deepest level of reality, the personal, the communal and the universal are in harmony. The personal, the community, and the global are in harmony. As long as we recognize our wounded butterfly moments and we act on them, then the energy of wisdom and compassion will carry us forward into new perspectives, new wonder, and a fuller experience of the great mystery. With much love to you, Lawrence.